If you want to open up to 2 Chronicles chapter 21, that is where we will get started this morning. It is so great to see all of you out today. We have many, many people who are here with us on this beautiful Lord's Day. have several guests who are here with us. We really appreciate your presence. You all are our honored guest. It's always a blessing and a pleasure to worship together with God's people in unity. So good to be here. We'll begin in 2 Chronicles, the 21st chapter. Unlike father, unlike son. Joram was nothing like his father, Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was a great man. He was a man who sought God and he walked in the commandments of the Lord. Jehoshaphat was a king whose heart was courageous in the ways of the Lord. He took sin seriously. He was a man who got rid of sin. He destroyed the Asherah from the land. He got rid of the high places in Judah. He sent prophets, priests, and judges into the land to teach the law of God and to administer the law of God. Jehoshaphat himself went into all of the nation of Israel, and he taught, and he administered the law of God. He guided God's people back to the Lord. He was a man who took his faith in God seriously. And because he took his faith seriously, the Lord blessed him. The Lord established the kingdom of Jehoshaphat. The fear of the Lord was upon the entire nation. And the fear of the Lord was upon all of the nations around the kingdom of Judah. And so, Jehoshaphat has gone down in history as a man who was revered, he was respected, He was honored and he was loved by all. But sadly, sadly, the same cannot be said for his eldest son, Joram. Sadly, his son Joram did not walk in his footsteps. Sadly, Jehoshaphat's son, Joram, did not live up to his father's godly example. Sadly, Jehoshaphat's eldest son, Joram, was a man who was not honored by all. Sadly, Jehoshaphat's eldest son, Joram, has gone down in history as the man who no one missed. In 2 Chronicles chapter 21, in 2 Chronicles chapter 21, we are first introduced to Joram, the man that no one missed. The text says in verse number 1, Jehoshaphat slept with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. And Joram, his son, reigned in his place. Let's fast forward eight years to the end of his reign in verse number 20. The text says in 2 Chronicles chapter 21 and verse number 20 that Joram was 32 years old when he began to reign and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem and he departed, he departed, he died with no one's regret. Some translations say that he departed without being desired. No one was sorry when he died. He died and no one felt sad. How sad is that? How tragic that is. No one was sorry. No one mourned. 
No one lamented. No one seemed to care. And so this morning we ask ourselves, why? Why did no one care that Joram died? Why was no one sorry when he left this earth? Why did no one seem to care? Why has Joram gone down in history as the man that no one missed? Joram was such a man because he destroyed his own family. Joram has gone down in history as the man that no one missed because he destroyed his own family. In 2 Chronicles chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, we see how his father Jehoshaphat had seven sons. Joram was the eldest of those seven sons. And as soon as he became king, as soon as he took over his father's throne, he killed his brothers. The text says in 2 Chronicles chapter 21, verse number 4, When Joram had ascended the throne of his father and was established, he killed all of his brothers with the sword. How heartless, how cold, how savage, how cruel that was. A man killed all of his brothers. How could he do such a thing? Why did he do such a thing? Perhaps he felt threatened. In 2 Chronicles chapter 21 and verse number 13, the text says that Joram's six brothers were better than him. Better than him, presumably, in every way. Physically, mentally, intellectually, and spiritually. They were good and he was bad. They were righteous, and he was unrighteous. They were moral, and he was immoral. And Joram realized that if his brothers stuck together, and if they stuck together, and if they got their wisdom and their righteousness and their goodness in in all of the land, they would be dominant over him. He would be wiped out. And so when he became king, he got rid of them in a moment. Joram was a man who destroyed his own family. And he has gone down in history as the man who no one missed. But not only that, not only did Joram destroy his own family, but Joram has gone down in history as the man that no one missed because he destroyed his own nation. He destroyed his own nation both physically and spiritually. The text says in 2 Chronicles chapter 21 and verse number 5 that Joram was 32 years old when he became king. And he reigned eight years in Jerusalem. And he walked in the way of the kings of Israel as the house of Ahab had done. And he married the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Here you have the king of Israel who is not walking in the ways of his forefathers. He's not walking in the way of his, of his righteous father Jehoshaphat. He is not walking in the ways of his righteous grandfather Asa. He's not walking in the way of his righteous forefather David. He's walking in the ways of the wicked, despicable kings of Israel. More specifically, he's walking in the way of the despicable king Ahab and his wife Jezebel. Joram was so set to do evil that he even married the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel, thus paving his nation's path 
to physical and spiritual destruction. The text says in 2 Chronicles chapter 21 and verse number 8 that in his days Edom revolted from the rule of Judah and they set up a king of their own. He is literally tearing his nation apart because of his bad decisions, because of his immorality, because he walked in the ways of the wicked kings of Israel, there is a civil war going on in Judah. We see this continues in verse 10. In the latter half of verse 10, the text says, At that time, Libna also revolted from his rule because he had forsaken the Lord, the God of his fathers. He is physically tearing his kingdom apart because of his wicked decisions. But not only is he physically tearing the nation apart, not only is he physically destroying this nation, he is destroying the nation spiritually. The text says in verse number 11, Moreover, he made high places in the hill country of Judah, and he led the inhabitants of Jerusalem into idolatry and made Judah go astray. Because of his decisions, because he walked in the ways of the wicked kings of Israel, because he set up these high places, he enticed his people to idolatry and caused them to fall away spiritually. And so, he has gone down in history as the man that no one missed. He destroyed his own family. He destroyed his own nation. And because he did this in verses 12 through 14... The prophet Elijah sends a letter to him. And Elijah says, hey, Joram, because you destroyed your, your, seven bro- your six brothers, because you enticed your people into idolatry, and because you have not walked in the ways of the Lord, I will send a plague upon you, your children, your wives, and this entire nation. And you will be struck with an illness that will take away your life. And so that is exactly what happens. In 2 Chronicles chapter 21, verse 16, the text says that the Lord stirred up against Joram the anger of the Philistines and of the Arabians who were near the Ethiopians. And they came up against Judah and invaded it and carried away all of the possessions they found that belonged to the king's house and also his sons and his wives so that no son was left to him except Jehoaz, his youngest son. Verse 18. And after all of this, the Lord struck him in his bowels with an incurable disease in the course of time. And at the end of two years, his bowels came out because of the disease, and he died in a great agony. Poor Joram. He died in great agony. But friends, that was not the tragedy. That wasn't the tragedy. The greatest tragedy is when Joram died, he destroyed his legacy. Because of his decisions, he destroyed his legacy. The text says in the latter half of verse number 19, his people made no fire in his honor like the fires made for his fathers. Verse 20, He was 32 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem And he departed with no one's regret. They buried him in the city of David, but not in the tombs of the kings. What a shame. No one grieved. No one mourned. No one was sad. No one was upset. No one cared when Joram died. 
And no one cared because Joram was a man who could not care less about his family. He could not care less about his spiritual family. And he ultimately did not care about his God. And for these reasons, he has gone down in history as a man that no one missed. How sad would it be to be regretted by none? How sad would it be for us to leave this life and have no one mourn? Have no one grieve? Have no one upset that we are gone? Have no one wish that they could see us again? No one wish that they could talk to us again? No one wish that they could be in our company? How awful would that be to go down in history as a man or a woman who no one missed? It would be terrible, terrible tragedy. And so this morning we ask ourselves, how do we keep this from happening? How do we live our lives in a way to where when we die, we will be respected, we will be appreciated, we will be honored, we will be missed by those who we leave behind? How can we live our lives in such a way? Point number one, If we want to leave a legacy, if we want to be remembered, if we want to be appreciated after we are dead and gone, then we must be people who love our families. I'm going to love my family. Joram was a man who did not love his family. He hated his family. He killed all six of his brothers with the sword. He could not care less about his family. And he has gone down in history as a man that no one missed. May we have much more love, respect, and appreciation for the families that the Lord has blessed us with. The earthly families that the Lord has given us. Husbands are to love their wives as Christ loves the church. They are to treat their wives with honor and respect and treat them as the weaker vessel, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 and 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. Wives are to submit to their husbands. They're to live with their husbands in a pure and in a respectful way, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22 and 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. Children are to obey their parents and they're to honor their fathers and their mothers. Parents are not to provoke their children to wrath, but they're to nurture them, and build them up in the nurture and in the admonition of the Lord. And as hard as it may be, as difficult as it may be for us to give our sibling a piece of cake, as hard as it may be for us to hug them, as hard as it may be for us to get along with our siblings, I know how difficult that is. I have two older brothers. It's hard. But friends, God expects us to love our siblings. In Genesis chapter 4, Cain was cursed forever because he killed his brother Abel. In Numbers chapter 12, Miriam, Moses' sister, was struck with leprosy because she rebelled against her brother. In 2 Samuel chapter 13, Amnon was killed because he violated his sister Tamar. God takes familial relationships seriously, and we should too. We must be people who love our earthly families. It is a sad, tragic, 
an awful thing that we are living in a world full of people who care more about their friends, their co-workers, their companions, their classmates, and people who are not kin to them more than they care about their own flesh and blood. That is a sad and awful thing. You have relatives who are biting and bickering. You have relatives that cannot get along. Relatives that have not spoken to one another in years because of some small frivolous matter. This is not the way that God expects His people to behave. God expects His children to love their earthly families. He did not have to give us parents. He did not have to give us children. He did not have to give us siblings. He did not have to give us uh, brothers and sisters. He did not have to give us physical earthly relatives on this side of heaven. But the beautiful thing is, from the very, very beginning of time, in the wisdom and in the mind of God, He saw fit to give us families. He saw fit to bless us with people on this side of heaven to make it through life with. And He expects us to love them. If we fail to love our earthly families, we are despising a tremendous blessing that the Lord has given us. And when we do this, We won't be missed by anyone. We'll be just like Joram, the man or the woman that no one missed. If we want to be revered, if we want to be respected, if we want to be honored when we leave this earth, then we are going to be people who, while on this earth, love our earthly families. But most importantly, while we are here on this side of heaven, Unlike Joram, we're going to be people who love our spiritual families. Joram did not love his spiritual family. He was an Israelite. The people that he led were Israelites. They were God's chosen people. They were God's special people, his set-apart people, his covenant people. And it seemed as if Joram did everything within his power to keep his spiritual family from maintaining the covenant that they had established with God. He led them astray. He led them further and further and further into idolatry. His behavior suggested that he did not love his spiritual family. In fact, he hated them. May we be people on this side of heaven who love and appreciate our spiritual families. May we take the family that we have in Christ much more serious than Joram took his spiritual family. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 20, John writes that we cannot say that we love God and hate our brother or sister in Christ. Because we cannot love our God that we cannot see and hate our brother or sister in Christ that we can see. That is impossible. If we say that we love God, then we must love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And it is so sad that this verse is even in the Bible. It is so sad that John had to even remind us of this fact. It is so sad that brethren would even be inclined to hate one another. It is so sad that people who are a part of the family of God, it is so sad that people who have been washed by the blood of Jesus would even be inclined to hate their fellow man. May that not be the case for us. God expects us to love one another. 
the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians in Galatia reminding them that biting and devouring one another will only destroy the church. And there have been so many churches throughout history that have been destroyed, that have been wiped out because brethren were biting and devouring one another. They could not get along, bickering and biting and arguing and not getting along over the smallest, frivolous, most frivolous matters. We're not always going to agree, but God expects us to get along and he expects us to love one another. And if we have an issue with one another, if there's something going on between us and someone else in the body of Christ, then we must leave our gift at the altar, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 24, and go and be reconciled with our brother. That means if we have an issue with someone in the family of God, then we must handle that issue immediately. We're not going to show up to church on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights and ignore that person. We're not going to just walk by them and just act like nothing ever happened. We're not going to talk about that person. We're not going to gossip about that person. We're not going to do that. We're not going to harvest this negativity within inside of us. We're going to deal with that matter because that's how we show we love one another. And if we don't handle those type of situations... We're not expressing true brotherly love for our brother or our sister in Christ. And those who do not express true brotherly love for their brothers and their sisters in Christ will one day leave this earth and they will be in the same company of men like Joram. They will leave this earth and no one will care. Joram was a man who left this earth And no one seemed to care because he did not respect and he did not appreciate his physical and his spiritual family. Sadly, we are living in a world full of people who do not respect and they do not appreciate their physical and their spiritual families. May we be different. May we live against the grain. May we be people who walk on this side of heaven and express the same type of love that God, the Father, and the Spirit had for us to this world. We express that type of love in the relationships that we have physically and in the relationships that we have spiritually. When we do that, We will leave behind a legacy that will outlast time. When we do that, we will be someone who is respected, revered, and honored. May that be so for each and every one of us this morning. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your wondrous love and your majesty We are so thankful for your inspired word and the simplicity of it. We are grateful for examples in scripture like Joram. We pray that we will learn from his mistakes and love the families that you have blessed us with. And most importantly, love this spiritual family that you have blessed us with. We pray that everything that we do in this life will ultimately be for your glory. 
We thank you so much for Jesus and his example and his sacrifice that gives us hope. And we ask these things in his name. Amen. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, today is the perfect opportunity to become one. Christ loved you so much that he gave his life for you. Greater love hath no man than that, than a man would lay down his life for his friends. Don't despise that offering that he made. Take advantage of that. Do not neglect so great a salvation. If you're here this morning, hear the word of God. Believe that Jesus Christ is God's son. Repent and turn away from your sins. Confess the name of Jesus and have your sins washed away in baptism, rising forth, walking in newness of life. If you've done that before, but you've made mistakes and you've fallen away and you would like the prayers and the encouragement and the help of this congregation, would like to repent and make things better, or if you have any other spiritual need that we can help you with, please come to the front while we stand and sing the song of invitation.